Welcome to the Football Podcast. Here we dissect Scottish football because basically it's all we care about. All right, all right, all right. We're back again. This time it's Monday. Reason being, Alan Hosey is an alcoholic. That's it. There's no other excuse. Um, and in a week, where refereeing has been uh, to the fore again. W- let me welcome first Paul Tiny Walton O'Neill. <laughs> All right. And Alan Les Mortram Hosey. Well, that's a, that is a kind of point, you know what I mean? Now, before we start, as uh, I think I told you last week, I met I bumped into a listener and he had a statement and a question. Um, what do you want first? Statement, what? Statement. The statement was, he reckons that Hosey says the, the words turn round too much. Turn <laughs> round. And what he suggested, which I'll no day, but I'll probably monitor this for future, uh, is a kind of klaxon every time he sees it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's quite good. And the other thing he asked, which was, again, this kind of took me aback a bit, was, he asked... Uh, just went, by the way. Dick, if you can hear me, wave if you can. I can hear you. Everybody can hear yeah. you. <laughs> Weave if you can hear me. Why not just speak like? <laughs> I can hear you. It's happening. I can hear you fine. No, it was like sound just totally went from that. Can you hear us now? Well, you can hear us now, obviously. <laughs> Fucking hell. Alcoholic dementia, folks. I'm telling you, you need to watch it. Um, okay, so the question he asked us was what have we got in common with each other? <laughs> well, I'll expand that to three baldy cunts from Murus. That's the first thing. Despite your Brandon Barker uh, comb over, Paul. Um, I don't know, what else? Obviously, football and all the rest of it, but. I don't know, guys, I've ever thought, ever thought about it, to be perfectly honest. Um, You've known your pretty much as long as I've been alive, so. I don't know, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, Hosey's not really got in, in, anything in common with anybody, if you think about it, like. Um, I mean, he's... Uh, I see you do have something in common, we'll just argue against it anyway, so. But, I mean, the only thing I can say, I mean, this has been one of the things that's... Um, I don't know if he's caught it, was it yesterday or today, I don't know, where basically they were saying that Scotland's out of control with lockdown drinking. And uh, Hosey is a fucking poster boy for that. Because we find out when his drinking's becoming excessive when he just comes on our WhatsApp chat group and starts abusing people for no apparent reason and saying things that he's never said before in his life. Like last night it was, I hate Bayern Munich. Which kind of flabbergasted. Why? <laughs> I'll just did it either. Fucking totally fucking dominant fucking side. Like turn around and basically poach players for every single other fucking German. Oh, like that doesn't Is happen that in every Bayern fucking Munich? country. Like. Aye, but it doesn't mean I have to fucking like the fucking signs in there. I prefer no. them with PSG. I was I was the happy that PSG will be. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, myself and Paul are both Bayern fans and we were delighted. Anyway, okay, so let's get in here. Last week, um, St Johnston uh, started in Aberdeen, bored us to death. St Johnston nil Aberdeen won. Paul, I know you were pretty vocal at the time about the game. It was just fucking dreadful to watch. Like... I don't know what 
I don't know what Aberdeen are trying to achieve. Like, I thought they'd go there and try and impose themselves in the game, but like, they never seem to want to take a game by the scuff of the neck and actually do anything. And they should be good enough to go there and do it. But it was just the standard was shite as well. There was like, mistakes all over the park. Mm. I don't was there even a shot until the boy had his deflection. Hi. And it was just a horrible game. And, and I don't think Aberdeen deserve to win it. Although, saying that St. Johnson deserves something is probably a stretch as well. They're both equally terrible. Jose, would you, would you expand on that? I mean, I, it, was, it was a piss poor game, to be fair. It's like, I, think, I think there's a few of them that'll be like that. It's like, Hibs wants to be like that a bit as well. It just feels like the players are trying to like, force a wee bit of intensity in the games and whatever, but I, I just put supporters there. It's just not happening. It's just not happening to the same extent. You're only getting like a roar from your crowd and fucking like hundred gets a reaction to players on it. So aye. Do you think St Johnston ever get a roar from the crowd like or? Aberdeen would. <laughs> I mean the one thing I did <laughs> notice that I didn't I know when Stevie May went to Aberdeen and he put May eighty three on his top and he's obviously now back at St Johnston, he's got May fourteen, which is obviously to denote their Scottish Cup win. Um, and I, I bet you that guaranteed at least a 50 extra sales, I would say, like, you know. Okay, on to Saturday. Uh, Sevco 2, Kilmarnock 0. No. Um, Kilmarnock actually looked no bad in patches for what I saw. Uh, in patches, I thought the first half, they done quite well and they were quite compact and, mm. and limited chances that Rangers had. But second half, as soon as they lost a goal, I just, I just mm. knew they were beat, I think. They never really looked at it coming out. Like they tried to get Burke up and support and a couple of counters and stuff, but they never really created that much. But I thought they played all right in spells, but probably deserved to lose the game overall, I think. I mean, Jose, the, I heard somebody comparing what Kamara did to how Iceland used to do, or maybe still do, you know, when they knocked England and stuff like that. And, and that's fine, but it doesn't mean I'll have to like watching it, you know what I mean? No, nah, I mean, it's effective. Mm. It's effective for what it's like, but it's not particularly fucking entertaining. But it's like... I think on Saturday is that I basically totally agree with Paul where it's like you can do that to an extent mm. but then when you go do it and then you have to fucking change it it's like that's fucked your game plan mm. it's kind of fucked your game plan it was like I'm doing I'm doing against Celtic as well they opened up a bit Celtic actually after, that was the only spell in, in that game where Celtic actually started to create like a couple they created mm. a couple of chances which Marmon were behind but as soon as Kamarman scored, then it was like fucking right back to the insane game plan. Aye. It's Aye. like it's hard to break. It's hard to break down. It's like it is. It's like, but I think if sides are setting themselves up like that, then if you get the first goal against them, they're kind of fucked, and then they'll either sell open because that's been their entire plan. I think I mean, as well though, losing the goal so early in the second half kills it. Like if you go to seventy minutes or something, and then you lose one, you can open up and go for it because you know it's. But as you get 50 minutes, it's mm. kind of deep, thick or twist with the, the game plan. I think as and well else. is they probably underestimated how vulnerable yeah, their opposition was because obviously Morelos um, wasn't in the squad and Gerard made comments about his kind of professionalism. Video went around him being steamboats at Glasgow Airport. I don't know if you saw that. Um, um, which, you know, it's fine. But anybody who fucking videos somebody at an airport or something, you know, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? I think of a fuck who it is, um, you know, and, and also their no no draw uh, the week previous, um, you know, and the, as you say the game at home. But I suppose the one kind of other factor with that is that if that's a an eye box that's full, the crowd might actually start getting a bit, you know, um, 
nervous and fearful and I can play on that, but that's not going to happen, obviously. And um, I've got to say, I've no idea what the Kilmarnock goal he was doing with the both goals. You know, just fucking standing there. Like, I'm like, it's, it's, you know, you've got to be fucking braver and, you know, go for it. But anyway. Um, Kemp's was the second one, wasn't it? Aye. Aye, it was like, I thought with that one, I thought he was, I thought he was probably on site and they had to see that until it's actually passing defenders. Like, just with that, just to give him a wee bit of fucking slight excuse, to be fair. Probably one of the drawbacks of having so many defenders in the box. What a time, <laughs> you know. Um, St Mirren 1, Ross County 1, I'll say through to you right away, Paul, Joe Shaughnessy. What do you think? An absolute shocker. And like, I don't like, Goodwin saying that it wasn't a red card. <laughs> Right, but he said it right after the match and he Aye, saved himself. He, he did. Play, right? He did. Fair enough. But the amount of St Mirren fans all over social media that are sticking up for it, saying, mm-hmm. you got the ball and what I mean, for as much as you get the ball if you then nearly take the boy's fucking leg off below the knee, it's an absolute shocker. Aye. That, I don't that, know what he was doing. St Mirren looked pretty in control. That, old, that thing, Hosey, always seems to me, it's like, oh, I've got the ball. It's like, well, I can run up and punch you in the face as long as I get the ball. <laughs> You've got to draw a line somewhere and... Um, you know, it is. I mean, Goodwin, as I say before, not exactly shy uh, in a tackle himself in the past. And I actually do like him as a manager. I think he's um, one of these managers that refuses to accept his position in Scottish football, that other people give them, you know. And that might be inspired by Patrick or that, but I see some negative managers who are kind of like, um, you know, quite happy to accept things and that. And he seems to be driving them on, but... You know, Ross County, who's has another good point for them, really. Um, I, I mean, I think, I think in fairness, I think, I think some men looked a better side up until we went down with ten. Just like I, they said, they said the north, just send the north. It's, it's not any more complicated than that. I mean, I, I'm not convinced there was any malice in it. Mm. I think he's just fucking turned around and threw his leg. Ken, I, I don't think he's went to fucking try and fucking like bath on the boy, mm. but he did. So it's a send it off, so aye. But I thought up till then, I was like, I, I'm quite impressed with some man, to be honest. Aye. It's like, I think, I think they look all right. It's like, I, they're pretty solid. They're pretty solid in the back. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Abika will score goals. He's like another one of these fucking strikers in Scotland. It's like, he's a hand fake. Aye. What was, I mean, do you know, do you know anything about John Abika Paul? Or? <laughs> um, <laughs> but what about the clearance for Tate? Ah, brilliant. I mean, you could. It's just instinct, isn't it? Aye. He, he, looks a, he, he looks a, you know, he looks a, you know, he looks kind of guy you wouldn't really like to meet in a dark fucking night, like, you know what I mean? Um, but aye. Uh, and then we'll go to Dungeon 8 0, Celtic 1. Um, you know, felt pretty flat ish kind of game. Um, I mean, I personally love Tanadice as an away venue, Ken. You're close to the pitch and mm. you're next to the action and you, you know, you've always got a good atmosphere and all that kind of thing. Um, I have to say, and I will bring this up because I mean, I've got to uh, highlight Andrew uh, Dallas's performance, which was as bad as anything I've ever seen in a football match. I mean, people think quite often that you know, if you see accused referees being biased or that, they'll say, "But they gave you a penalty, or they've done this." Well, it's not about penalties and all that kind of thing. It's about the control of a football match, and how referees control these football matches is by giving non-existent corners, uh, sorry, non-existent fouls at corners. Booking players right away and then tapping up the other players, the opposition um, bookings towards the end of the game so it looks even. 
Um, he managed to book Scott Brown for celebrating the goal, which I'm thinking, is that not involving people going off the pitch and antagonising fans and all that? There's no fans there. Um, and he basically, um, you know, Dun United central defenders, Mark Reynolds and Conley, Mark Conley committed eight fouls. And, you know, we're just getting a wee bit murder and kind of thing. And so, and he also has the, what I don't like is, uh, about Dallas, he's exactly the same as his father. He's got that arrogance that some referees have got. Where, and I don't know if you know, somebody asked him, a Dun United player actually asked him, how long is there to go? And he said, four minutes. Now just let me referee. <laughs> you know? Right, he's, always, he's always been pretty arrogant, I think. He's always had that about him. Um, in terms of the game, I, I just think he's shite. I don't think... I, I'll be honest, I've never seen the whole game. I've seen the, I've seen the highlights, seven highlights, I've never seen the whole game. Um, and the brown one, I don't know. Did it, was, it, was it no first shot when it Connolly or something? But I didn't, but then, well, I mean, I, I, I don't, don't know if you've seen it, but I sent you a thing that was basically... What he actually shouted was, uh, <laughs> pass the fucking boy you to Edward. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> um, and there was, you know, I'd say there was a th- another thing as well, come on to you, but in a minute. But um, in terms of the, the actual game, I mean, I th- Dun United done a carbon copy, Kilmarnock, you know, with the, mm-hmm. tr- the sort of, I mean, you know, as, as, as the blocking and the positional defending was great, but. I don't think uh, Celtic goalkeeper maybe had one save in the whole game. Um, I mean, Jose, what I wanted to ask you was, where do you come in terms of, uh, right, we need to defend like fuck, but also we need to try and score? I mean, are you kind of, where would you stand on that when you're playing against like Celtic or whatever? Fair hips, I'm like that. Go and try and win the game. It's like, because I didn't, I mean, but that's, it's probably a bit selective, that one. Because Hibs have never been fucking capable of shutting that game in their fucking life. It's like my entire life we fucking watching Hibs. It's like Hibs trying to shut up, shut up. It's just like that's no fucking that. So I've always kind of been like, fucking just go out and try to win the game. Well, I think. Just go out and try and win the game. See if you my experience, right? I think um, Hibs and Hertz, you know, take the Huns with you. Hibs and Hertz have always got a better chance that primarily because whoever's playing in their teams have got three stands backing them. And that can drive players' own, you know what I mean? Whereas if we go to, uh, I don't know, say fucking Aber- Aberdeen, I mean, you just didn't get that same level of passion for their fans. Whereas if the Hibs or Hertz fans against Celtic, and I'm sure it's the same against the Huns, smell blood, then they fucking go nuts, you know what I mean? And um, so that can definitely help the players. Um, but I mean, you know, at the same time, Dun United were probably four or five minutes away for a successful, you know, execution of their game plan. But in, then you could look at, you know, the statistics. We see like had 20, over 20 shots on goal and, and things like that. Um, I, think it's, I think when teams come come up and stuff, find that a bit more understandable. They, they didn't want to go and get scalped. Mm. A bit more. Um, for teams that have been in, that you'd expect a bit more of, then you want them to come. Like, Kamarnik have been, what, third and fifth the last couple of years? Mm. And, You'd think they'd maybe have a wee bit more about them. Maybe expect to do it more for them. But Dungeon have just came up and they're probably wanting to test the waters and, and stuff as well and see. They looked really well organised. Um, but I thought Celtic were really good and controlled the game up until probably the final third and mm. then they tried to force it a few times. I think as well. Sorry, go I, on. I, I, thought, 
I, I, I thought Celtic were better. I thought that Celtic played a lot better than they did against Kilmarnock. Aye. It was, it was like, I, I thought they actually created all the chances and it was like, ah, there was a lot of blocks and stuff. But I thought they were actually creating better chances than fucking they did against Kilmarnock. But they, they are a to be honest. I mean, the, and sorry, go on. I was just going to say the, um, the goalie had a great game as well. And, you know, the Dundee United were quite impressive in their block. I've kind of been noticing that with a few teams this season. They're really good at their blocking and that. They're clearly working on it. But I think you see the, the value in Celtic have got obviously a far bigger budget and the players are able to bring off the bench. That makes a fucking huge difference. Like, I mean, it really does. Even the boost the players get. And, um, you know, to have a striker like Ajeti, who just basically, he heeded the ball back from the initial flurry and then was their own spot to fucking score the goal you know Scottish teams you're playing against are not going to be able to bring all five million pound strikers for the bench it's as no. simple as that like, I mean, you know what I mean no I, mean, I think I think you're fairness with that I think it was one that we'd met, I think we had mentioned it before but uh, in terms of the five subs and stuff mm. that happened to a, that happened to an extent with Aberdeen's adjusting game as well mm. uh, Aberdeen like had player suit or whatever but they were able to make a lot fucking better changes than St Johnston were because they've got a fucking better squad. And it's like, and I think that's going to be something which could actually fucking be happening quite a bit this season where yeah. it's like, the size, the size of bigger budgets are actually going to be able to use their fucking budget yeah. a bit more. Definitely. Just be fucking, just be around and having the additional fucking subs to fucking make them put better quality on the bench. And I think that's, that's some of the, looking over the course of the season, could well be something that's happening to be honest. I think, I think as well, that's why play, um, the transfer market has been a lot more active than recent seasons because they can use the players more um, and bring guys up that, you know, they're not going to just sit on the bench all week, every week. And, and bit. Um, but talking about Aberdeen, 2 1 against Livingston. Now, again, um, I thought Livingston quite played well, but refereeing comes into it um, with, I mean, the penalty that fucking Livingston got not back, I just could not believe. I mean, the, the fucking boy almost caught the ball. One that was no coming. Aye, aye. No, definite penalty for me. I mean, it's. Aye. I mean, Jose, do you know? Think and I, I'll, I'll, I'll um, expand this to fans as well. When there's a certain react, immediate reaction for a massive group of people, it's kind of they're not all making it up. I, no, no. I, the one, I the one, the one that I, th- the one that I think that I always think that if one player shares and then fucking the rest of them join in, I'm like, ah, that may not be. But when all of them fucking basically scream for it mm. at the same time, it's like, aye, it usually is because they've all seen the same thing. They've all seen the same thing and it's like, ah, it's quite often that. But I think it is one of them where it's like, you sometimes see it where it's one player goes in and the rest go, oh, fuck it, if he's shouting for it, then like, we all shout for it as well. But I think when it happens with everybody at the same time, mm. you, you, you tend to think, aye, that's fucking, the referee's missed one there. Aye, I mean, there's neat, I mean, it's staggering. But again, we didn't get much fucking analysis on it. But of course, Livingston, you, you alerted us, you have signed Anthony Stokes, which <laughs> I wouldn't say falls in with the image of the club, but fucking hell. Um, what, what age is he now as well? Like, he must be 32 or something, no? Probably, I wouldn't be, I? Anything the last couple of years, like two stints in Iran or something. Mm. You just can't is imagine that- Anthony Stokes in Iran, like, but... <laughs> A one a one year deal, I suppose. I'm not really gambling too much. If it's if it's a mere for them, then they can get rid. But mm. yeah, I was, I was surprised to see it to us. I mean, uh, I, I mean, 
You're obviously a hero of yours, Jose, but... Aye, I mean, I, I is a fucking <laughs> Hibs legend, but even 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 in his spell where Hibs won the cup, he was absolute shit. It was like, mm. he was turning to him and Cummins like didn't work at all as a partnership. But he had one game. He had one game, but he was capable of doing that. He probably still is. He mm. probably still is because he's like fucking stacks the ability, but fucking <laughs> that attitude might not be... May not be exemplary, to be honest. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. be saying too much, but I wouldn't be saying many bad words about them. But and, uh, it's one of these things where Livingston are fucking, they've, they've turned around and oh. actually signed. They've actually, they've signed a lot of players that people are like, what the fuck are they signing for? And mm-hmm. they tend to get something out of them. They tend to get something out of them. So it's like, I you give them the benefit of the doubt a bit, I think. Aye. Aye, I mean, you know, they've acted quite quickly in replacing Lyndon Dykes, you know what I mean? They've written quite quickly, and obviously got a defender as well, so fair play to them, like, but actual signings. Uh, and of course, the last game of the weekend, once again, referees coming to it, St Johnston v Hibs, 1-0 to Hibs. Not the greatest of spectacles again for St Johnston. I mean, look, St Johnston, they fucking just hoofed the fucking ball up the park so many times. You know, and, and I heard Hibs getting accused of it as well, but Hibs have got an effective target man who lays the ball off and gets in a boot. And I can totally see why they would go at length at times. But it was fucking, I mean, honestly, it was. I, said, I read, seen a few Hibbies at half time saying, oh, fucking Jack Ross has got to go. This is fucking abysmal again, kind of thing, Ken. <laughs> but uh, when his record's been really good. But Hosey, I just think, I mean, first of all, I think we're agreed that St. Johnson should have been one now up, right? Oh fuck that! I, 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 I can't even if I say this to you, but I watch, like obviously I watched, I watched it in the news on like more and uh, it's, it's a, it's a kind of fucking odd dynamic when there's no commentary because we could see the goal had been disallowed, but you've no idea why the fuck it's been disallowed. And then it's like that. And then it shows the lights was big flag up. I'm like, who the fuck was offside? And it was like just had no idea at all. But the same happened to the penalty mm. where it was like. Right after the fucking penalty has been given, it's like I think he's just gave a penalty, but the entire boozer's like, I don't care if he's given a penalty because the fucking sky fucking cameras did like the very like complete close ups on about fucking eight different people before it actually showed Aye. the votes. It showed that I Hibs did have a penalty. Like, oh, yes, it's a penalty. I mean, but it's like maybe can. Well, it's a weird dynamic just because you haven't got any sound at all. You're not in the judge. I I've watched that about six times and I still can't see what he gave the penalty for. And no, I don't know if I you've seen the footage that came out today, Paul, the guy that was given a penalty against, he just, he said, to, he said to John Beaton, what have you seen? What have you fucking seen? You've, you've just fucking killed us. And obviously beaten down the answer, but I'm not saying that, that, I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean I, thought, I thought, I thought it was a penalty. I mean, I thought the Hibs one was a penalty, to be fair. It's like, because he does fucking, he, he totally grabs fucking Porteous. But then, Porteous has been cute. Porteous has totally been cute with it. He's fucking turned around. He's like, he started gone and then he stopped. He's let the defender fucking basically run out of the back of him, fucking basically grab him, then shove him down. It, it doesn't look good when a defender fucking ends up lying on top of a fucking like suit of an opposition player. Like in the box, and they haven't had a touch, can they haven't touched the ball? So <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was a penalty. I thought, I thought Porteous fucking like played for it, but I thought it was a penalty, to be fair. I thought there was a person, I thought there was a push on Gordon before he bundled into Portis. Mm-hmm. Might have been. So, might have been. The problem for me is, is like, 
Beaton's got to be a hundred percent sure, and it genuinely looked like he guessed at that stage of the game. He, he, to me, he didn't look like he was convinced at all, but he gave it. Mm-hmm. And I think St Johnson can count himself a hard done by because I don't think Hibs were up too much either. I think it was a, fucking, a pretty poor game. It was. I'll probably slightly more disappointed with him because you expect him to go and make the play a bit now. Like Johnson, you talk about them going along and stuff, and they do, but they're more limited. And I expect more for the players Hibs had, especially when you change for four four two. I thought you'd get a better grip in the midfield. And never I, really. I, and they never, they never at all. But I uh, just with that one, you're saying, you're saying this to Johnson are limited. No, I, I can't agree with that. They fucking didn't give the boy we can, who's the best player, and he's like he's fucking a decent midfielder. And they just didn't, they didn't like put play through him at all. But he's, I, he's good. He's like carrying the ball for you and sort of stuff like that. They actually fucking create problems, mm-hmm. but they just didn't use them. They just didn't use them. They just completely bypassed the fucking midfield. Did anybody which you would understand? Anybody think it was a bit weird Tommy Wright was doing the punditry? I didn't even I, I, I thought he had what he'd never do with Scottish football for that. <laughs> no. I mean, he basically had a rant about St Johnson and Scottish football and Nikon's gave him a job and now he's back doing the punditry on St Johnston. And, you know, it's fucking me. I mean, the only, the only saving grace he's had is that he talks a wee bit more sense than that slavering cunt Chris Boyd. Who I don't think has actually been able to grasp the English language. That so, is a low fucking butt. And I bet he had his one man crusade at half time for VAR. We have got to get the money in for VAR. And he wasn't throwing the dick. He's, <laughs> he's absolutely fucking useless. Like, I mean, it's punditry in Scotland. I mean, we talked about it, Ingmay, that, you know, you've sports in Shelley Care. To me, he's just like the female Stephen Presley, you know, like dour, fucking monotone, just saying the same pitch over again they fucking trainers which we mentioned which is you know I mean this was a fucking flagship of people like Archie McPherson and now we've got cunts on there with fucking silver fucking trainers that look them look like they're in fucking an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical I mean what the fuck shouldn't her opinion be less taken after the embarrassment of Scotland ladies in that World Cup or whatever it was when we go tell we basically got to win it and then fucked I didn't actually think she. I think she talks relatively sensibly, but she's she is dour as fuck. Sports it's, it's like she's scared to inject, inject any kind of character into her voice, or she's incapable right. of. I mean, I often I, imagine sports scene has a like an airline check-in where you take in your personality and humour at the fucking gate, and then you know. And as we say, I don't, I don't know if you watched it, Jose. The sports scene. I mean, fucking embarrassing. Stephen Thompson who does not have the ability to talk about a game and watch it at the same time. You know? I've seen you talk about it. I've seen oh it. Oh, my never God. Seen it. He was like, basically, so what's happened in this game? Well, it's... Ha- oh, oh, he's, 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 he's had a run. Uh, anyway, so... Oh, no, somebody's got the ball now. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he was talking about the fucking St. Mun game. Um, and he, like, he would try to say, he's like, there's been a saying off, can you describe it? He's like, well, what happened? Like, oh, hold on, here's a corner. Like, anyway, so I'm like, what the fucking just tell us? You know, we'll know if some cunt scores, but... Honestly, blackmail foys, I don't know what the fuck he's got, but uh, I mean, the guy is an absolute gibbering fucking buffoon. I mean, I used to think you were bad, Hosey, but he's you're not in his fucking league, like, really. Anyway, we had the European game last week. Uh, Celtic beat Reykjavik 6-0. Um, did any of these actually see it? I've only seen the goal. Never seen uh, the game. I mean, it was an absolute fucking walkover. Like, I mean, it was... 
you know, you knew after two minutes this is an absolute farce, you know. Um, and that was pretty. Anyway, goal was gone again one time. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty, that. pretty safe passage. Like you know, it wasn't a any great thing. And then that means, of course, that Celtic play Ferencváros of Hungary on Wednesday. Now I would imagine they're going to be a step up in uh, quality. Um, I don't know what can what could be a step down for Reykjavik to be quite honest, you know, but. Um, I don't know, I think Celtic probably still will manage to squeeze through. What do you think of the one-leg affairs for these qualifiers? Um, I prefer them. Mm-hmm. I prefer them. So I, I understand. I, under, I understand why you're only going to get that fucking like as soon as as soon as it's possible not to have it, then mm. they're only going to have it. But I think when there's no fans, it's like that. I think games are actually nah. intending to be better. I think for the qualifiers, it makes it diff- difficult for the teams that are kind of Unseated or whatever. If you're unseated and end up away from home, you're pretty much aye. You're toiling to get through, but I, th- I think it makes sense in the current climate. Like I, I've liked the actual knockout Champions League games because all the players are neutral players. They're all in the quarters and stuff anyway, so it's like a, it's a level playing field. Mm-hmm. But I do think for teams that are maybe unseated, like, like Ferenc Faros would probably. Got it to be away at Celtic, you'd imagine. Aye, I mean, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a huge advantage to be playing at home, no matter what it is. Um, but obviously, so that's, that's on Wednesday, Celtic, uh, Ferens, Varos, and then on Thursday, we've got Aberdeen are playing Runovic of the Faroes and Murrowell are playing Glentoran of the Occupied Six Counties. Um, expecting both Scottish clubs to get through there? We think so. Um, Although the way Motherwell are playing, I wouldn't put money on it. Once they Hamilton in the weekend, especially if they lose Turnbull this week, which looks likely. Yeah, you know, that's a. I, I kind of I thought. So I was just going to say that I kind of thought that um, Celtic would move in for them this week because we play them on Sunday, and that's a kind of evil bastard, Peter Lawwell. Let's <laughs> look. You know what I mean? Let's just dismantle their team before the week before. But uh, sorry, go on, Paul. I mean, was, I was just going to say, I think I might end up doing them a bit of favour because I think the last few weeks they've tried to play everything through them. And I don't think it's helped. Aye. I thought they've got a good, they've got a decent team, Motherwell, and they seem to be. Well, the balance it's funny. Them. I mean, we actually forgot to talk about that. So, uh, Motherwell now Hamilton won, but it was the same fucking story again. Where Motherwell had a look at the ball, and you know the third, the cutting edge was in there. But Jose, we talked it was before. Stephen Robinson's comments were a bit alarming. Well, I think if you're a Motherwell fan. Well, it was. It was like, but there was. I there was two things. It was like, oh well, we concede one chance and we concede the goal. It's like you didn't fucking concede one chance. Aye. The boy who scored literally five minutes before it Aye. fucking missed the alert. Aye, that's he true. missed the alert. It is, and it's like, nah, they, they never only had one chance. It was like mm. we we were actually concerned that Hamilton had the better chances in that game, despite how much of the fucking ball Mullerville mm. had. I, but I, I'm most probably right to be honest. I that. They are trying to put everything through Turnbull. Mm-hmm. Turnbull's like obviously a good player, Aye. but if you're trying to fucking put absolutely everything mm-hmm. through fucking one player, and that becomes quite easy to fucking like so you work against. Again, it's like Aye. if he's coming to create everything, and it's like right, well you put somebody on him, you put somebody on him, but you still fucking keep your defensive shape or whatever. Aye. It's like the only the only creator on off field at all. It's like but it is, it's why I'd I'd kind of forgot. I kind of forgot about Motherwell as well, which I is a bit we're going to be coming on. How shite they were towards the end before fucking like before we stopped in fucking like March. Aye. It's like because apparently they've only won one game in the last fourteen games. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, I, I, I mean, I quite like them. I actually go for more decent players so and stuff. Are, but so that's, that's a long period. And it's like, you actually wonder if maybe confidence is a weak. But mm-hmm. that was the one I think you were about to say. With Steve, I think Stephen Robertson basically talking about potentially resigning or being sacked. Aye. Presumably, because it's like, if I can't get the best of the fucking players, then somebody else will have to get Well, I think... Like to your point as well. I mean, he kind of mentioned a couple of weeks ago that that players, certain players, were believing the hype and all this kind of thing, and it'll be the ones you expect, it's ones with their agents in the ear, that kind of thing. And that's kind of it. On you know, they they could have had a victory at Easter Road, but didn't they? And then of course they get beat this week, and it's kind of like he must be starting to. This is getting fucking. How am I just get? Am I getting through? I mean, Marcello Lippi used to say, you know, tell a player three times, and if he doesn't do it by the third time, just get rid of him. You know, and. It seems to me there just seems to be something. There's a dynamic in the Motherwell sort of set up the now that's no right. I don't know if it was. I don't know if you've seen this with the, the picture of Tam Cowan at Motherwell on uh, Saturday. That'll be the issue. It is without question. Uh-huh. It was a picture. Kenny, they've got the cardboard cutouts, and it's a picture of him yeah. in a Motherwell uh, Scottish Cup top for nineteen ninety one, I think, um, and. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I'm. I'm not like overly keen on the useless specky fat bastard, but I just fucking, you know, he's a, he to me is how 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 somebody like him has been a voice in Scottish football for twenty five years is fucking beyond me. Like, I mean, seriously, we all have a folk, but I would listen to Hosey all fucking day and night before I'd listen to one minute of that cunt. But he just and you know I just, I didn't get it, but um. Anyway, anyway, so aye, so and of course Aberdeen, um, you would expect him to to get past the Faroe Islands team, right? Aye, that was that, that was a side that, that was a side that I played uh, two years two years ago. Aye, two years ago, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, aye, and I was like, they 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 weren't the great. <laughs> so, uh, aye, I'd, I'd fancy Aberdeen to be them like pretty comfy to be honest. It, it, Motherwell should be beating Glen Torrens as well. Oh, fuck however, fucking bad, however bad they should be beating Glen Torrens. I mean, it'd be a different story if they were playing a team for the Ireland Republic um, because obviously they're stronger and during the season that kind of thing. But I mean, Glen Torrens, I'll tell you a quick story about Glen Torrens. This is many years ago. Um, Dave Hewitt, that you'll know, Jose, who's a Hertz supporter, Paul, but he's also a big. Irish Republican and uh, 1999 we went over to Belfast flew over because Hewitt had something with British Airways it got really cheap so we flew over uh, on a Saturday evening April for the Easter commemorations and um, again, it's always the script it was certainly the script there at the time where you had to get a taxi for the airport and then another taxi from the city centre because you couldn't get a taxi for the airport and say I'm going to the Falls Road because you know it was all wireless taxi drivers and stuff eh so we're in this fucking taxi and one of the first things you see when you come out the airport we get in was Glen Tone's Grund. So the guy said, oh, that's Glen Tone's Grund over there. Oh, aye, aye. And fucking, he's a football fan yourself. And Hewitt streams straight in and goes, oh, I'm a jambo, eh? So the taxi driver was like, oh, are you? Aye, and fucking hell. You know, he's, oh, I'm a big Ranger supporter and all this kind of thing. I'm like, fuck's sake. So he's the two of them are gathering away, giving away, giving away. And this boy, like, him and Hewitt's getting on like a fucking house on fire, eh? But we're only going to Castle Street, which is like the opening to Falls Road. And um, by the time we get dropped off, the boy was like, listen, this has been one of the most enjoyable taxi journeys of my life. Do you fancy coming to the, the pub with me tonight, lads? And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And Hugh's going, eh, aye, what, what? He says, well, I'm a member of the Shankill Rangers Club, so I could sign you both in. 
<laughs> and, and I'm just geeing who you at the dead. You see you, you jambo cunt. I fucking you know. I knew this would get. Uh, we just kind of had to, as as the um, press reporters always say when they go to brothels, we made our excuses and left. Like you know what I mean. Um, but that was a one Glenn Torrens story. Okay, so moving on. Sorry, yeah, we're about to move on. Okay, so moving swiftly on, uh, an institution was 50 this week. No, it's not, Jose. Uh, it was Question of Sport, um, which kind of took me by surprise. I didn't fucking realise it was gone for 50 fucking years. But it started in uh, 1970, obviously, and uh, was an, initially hosted by David Vine, who left it to present Ski Sunday. <laughs> which is kind of bizarre. Um, who's the first captain do you remember on it, Jose? Emily Hughes mm-hmm. and Bill. Was it Bill Bowman that was there? Aye, the same that's time? right. Aye. aye, aye, that's the two of them. Emily Hughes, who's a prick. <laughs> Bill Bowman, who's a prick. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Lemon Hughes is dead, so you can't really. <laughs> but uh, I, because I, I traditionally always use that. Like when it's like, oh no, it's their team that can't say a bad word about them. The words we get only fact, we get only factual at any point. The word, the the, 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 <laughs> the words empathy and sympathy do not exist in Alan Hosey vocabulary. But um, <laughs> of course, the most famous thing we'll get you the way we Emily Hughes was the fact that he fucking on uh, picture board fucking Miss Duke fucking Annie Windsor for for a man, and then they brought him on, they brought her on about you, brought him on. I'm just on it, I know. They brought her <laughs> on the following week and uh, said on the thing that he was Hughes was telling, no, you, you can't touch her. So they kind of taught him to sit with his fucking arms folded, like, you know? <laughs> um, which is kind of bizarre, to say the least. But, um, aye, and then it was, um, after that, Wally Carson went on. You remember his laugh? Aye. Oh. Aye, he was a Weirdly, Wally Carson. Wally Carson was one of the guys. I'm sure he's Scottish, but he kind of never, you never, never got the impression like George Wood at Arsenal or Ian Archer, you know. So that kind of old. Oh, the same here does it all, by the way. But Paul, who do you, who were your first captains? Um, I remember both of them. Oh fuck, I. Um, I can't remember who the other captain was when he was on it though. To be honest, uh, but I remember like the McCoyst and the Parrot were. Mm. I'd love to shoot the cunt that told Phil Tough though, he's funny, like, because he, I mean, honestly, oh, it's just so... one's a bit, yeah, daft grimace, and that's meant to be funny, like, Aye. didn't pull enough dates. I know, it's um, utterly fucking bizarre. Um, Frankie Dottori was on it as well for a long time. Um, Gareth Edwards. Um, one of the things they said in the thing, the documentary about it was that the, one of the, the rounds that had to go by the wayside was what happened next because of the amount of footage there is around these days. Every country's seen everything, basically. Um, I suppose, suppose I. Any surprising me, is there? And they used to, I mean... Uh, my old man, my old man always had this thing where he would always watch programs he hated, you know, no matter. And one of them was questioning sport, and he had a running 
and I'm using very joke every week, whereas if you remember, there was a, a round in it where it was like the one minute round and you got nine questions and you could go back and forth from that kind of thing. Every single week, it was announced by David Coleman or whoever, mom and would go, oh, here we go, it's a nine minute round. You get one question. Like, it's just not funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he was fucking hilarious, like. But uh, in, in terms of what it's, I mean, it's something that, you know, I would religiously watch sort of the 80s and 90s, but I wouldn't fucking get Who's room now? It's, it's so bad. Um, what that, well, that rugby prick is on it, I don't know. Dawson. Oh. Right. These are just these fucking, you know, middle-class fucking sportsmen who think they've got, you know, it's like Vinnie Jones is a hard man in football, but he's not a hard man in real life. And they, they're funny in their sporting circle, but they're no funny in actual being funny. Type scenarios, like you know, but um, and Paul, I also believe you've always had a crush on Sue Barker. How do you know? Well, Cliff Richard did, <laughs> he's a, a good looking woman. Oh, was <laughs> oh, for fuck, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. The Me Too movement will be coming down on us like a fucking ton of bricks now. Um, well, just no, just no Paul, I would say. <laughs> well, for saying that she's no longer a good woman, but she's well, I don't know, like. But you, you're, is your wife younger or older than you? Me, uh, younger. Oh, so you can't even have the older woman thing. Uh, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Bye, that was a uh, question of sport. Now, one of the things I'd asked you last week was to recount and, reco- and recall hard men in Scottish football. Because I believe that we're no, we didn't live in an era of hard men in football anymore. You know what I mean? We, we just... And I'm not talking about guys that running about kicking people. I'm talking about guys that could... Um, you know, they were just fucking rock hard. I mean, Jose, who do you remember for your youth and all that that you just thought that cunt's mentally hard as fuck? Aye, it was uh, it was one where it was kind of the impression that always had was very much confirmed after he left Hibs. It was Gordon Ray. Mm-hmm. But Gordon Ray, who was a big fucking laddie and really mm-hmm. never took very much nonsense at all on the pitch. And it was like, I think he's an absolute lunatic. But it was him who was involved with Chick Charlie when he went and parted Thistle. Oh, yeah, and yeah. They turned, it was him and Chick Charlie that went and set about the boy that tried to attack them with a sword. Aye. <laughs> it's like, aye. In terms of proving your point, I think that was actually not a bad one. Aye. It's like, so, some fucking random boy fucking turns up at parted Thistle's fucking training room with a sword. <laughs> fucking tries to fucking attack them and fucking Gordon Ray and Chick Charlie and fucking leather. It's like, aye. That seems aye. aye. That's a pretty own brand for both of them. He was. So, I, I remember him, you know, being one of the players. He was a very much like an organizer and all that as well. And he just looked utterly fucking raging all the time. You know what I mean? The kind of Willie Muller pros. He's never been happy with anything. Which you know, I didn't mind that at all. In football players, you know what I mean? I mean, that's basically my character. <laughs> but uh, the uh, Gordon Reeves, definitely. I mean, what about yourself, Paul? Obviously, it'll be a bit more modern, but um, who would you... Uh, well, I think, I think it would be more modern. It's less yeah, thing now. You've got people that are a bit maybe that are dirty and stuff. Mm. That are not really hard men, but... Dougie Emery. Like, aye. Uh, one of the first I remember was like Pasquale Bruno. He was properly fucking nuts. He was mm. only about two seasons at Hertz. And my mind when we signed him, it, it was on... Um, Football Italia and uh, James Richardson showed a clip of him getting dragged off the park by about 34 players. <laughs> Both benches had cleared. They were all trying to get him away. He was trying to attack the ref and he kept he kept pulling the old, putting the hands up like, I'm all right, I'm all right and then running back to attack the ref again. <laughs> it was a fucking lunatic. And he'd done it 
was one of, one against Hibs as well where like, he, he chipped the ball up and you just knew he was trying to set something up. I think it may have been Darren Jackson. So Jackson took the bait and went for the ball and he's just followed through, studs at fucking chest tight and absolutely cluttered them. Got, got a book in. They used to be kicking fuck at everybody. They played, they played Red Star Belgrade and they had that young young uh, wonder kid that ended up signing for Real Madrid at the time, like £10 million. Mm-hmm. And that was back in like 95. And about the first two minutes of the game, he's just absolutely smashed the boy. Never, never, seen, her, never seen him the whole game. One of the, one of the centre-halves. I believe in terms of actual hard men as well, though, that uh, Grant Murray was apparently quite tasty. Like, you, you never have thought he was quite the quiet guy. Mm-hmm. Apparently, maybe we'd mess with him at all <laughs> on the training. The quiet, you see, the quiet guys are the worst, eh? Really, um, but no, I mean, one of the one, the one I remember was uh, in terms of Celtic was Mick McCarthy. Um, mm. Not only was Mick McCarthy a hard man, but he had a voice that was like a fucking herdy goose or geese flying over. He could just be heard above everybody. And I remember McIverney told a story when he played against them for Man City, and he was playing for West Ham, and he'd been warned, you know, this Grant McCarthy, you need to watch him. So he said, "Fucking!" He says, right, "I'll get in early in the first minute." He said, "He went up, McAvaney's done him with the elbow, and was like ready for the fight kind of thing." And McCarthy never fucking said a word to me. I thought, "Fucking hell!" I've obviously got him, and he said, like, literally for the next eight to nine minutes, he just battered fuck with me, you know, every fucking which way you fucking could, like you know, um, and it is. It's kind of like I mean, I remember seeing. You know, you watch games now for the 80s and all that kind of thing and the, the, you see the guys who are just getting the tackles in early and all that sort of thing. I mean, that's gone completely for the game now, isn't it? I mean, it's just no... I mean, there's well, guys... It used to be the rule pretty much that you get away with it in the first five mm-hmm. minutes, mm-hmm. no matter how hard you hit somebody. Now guys are fucking rolling about the ground. I mean, I'm not talking about diving. I'm talking about, like, they get just a wee touch and suddenly oh, they're fucking on it and, you know, they need to get the trainer on and all this pish. And I mean, I mean you know... The fucking um, medical aspect the fucking physios in the 80s was to bring a wet sponge on. You know, maybe some Ralgex and fucking, uh, you know, that would be it. Um, and, and now it's like fucking, you know, guys will go off and, you know, I mean, like Dodge to me is one of the guys where he can, he he, he leaves a lot on defenders and he's perfected that looky. What the fuck are you talking about? I haven't even touched them. Uh, and then you'll see like, it back and boom, right in the back of his head, like, you know? As it's, what, it's one of them where he does the thing which every forward should do it. And it's like, defender calls, defender calls on the ball. Mm. And he doesn't fucking fill them. But what he does is he gives them an edge. He puts them on balance. He's like, you know, he turned around and it's just continuously doing that. So he's just a pair of nasty players. It's like, mm. I, yes, he's like, he's good at it. He's good at it. Aye, and it's a it's a, it's a, it's a lost art. I mean, you know, obviously, like the it wasn't just the, the hard main aspect, but the guys, the, the Willie Millers and the Roy Aitkins and all that, they fucking contested everything. And I didn't think players did that now. I didn't think you know players. I mean, if it used to be the fucking age old rule, if one of your players got done, every cunt was over trying to protect them and start a rammy to make sure that wouldn't happen again. I remember Brian McClure tell us, telling a story when Giggs came through and they're playing Southampton at the Dell and Jimmy Case was playing for Southampton, you know, a legendary Liverpool player, and fucking gave Giggs a right fucking good one. And fucking McClure says to him, oh, come on, get a fucking grip, eh? And Jimmy Case just turned around and says, listen, I've had a fucking career. <laughs> that's it. You know what I mean? Um, but that's, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm as kind of supporter of... 
and it annoys people around me and that, but I'll, I'll shout for full throws and fucking everything. But I just think now football fans and that, and even players, you know, they're just no focused enough to fucking think about that. It's mere, Kenny, oh, I'm, st- I'm worried about my position and that kind of thing, where, you know, I always think you need to ask the referee a question, like, you know, all the time, put the doubt in his head, but I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, moving swiftly on and uh, to the Gary O'Connor documentary. Now, we've said this before, but I thought my, my own, only real criticism, it was only half an hour long. I mean, that was I a felt- fucking tremendous story based there to go 90 minutes and the day half an hour. It was completely rushed. Like, it was quite, it was interesting. And there was bits that you do feel sorry for the boy. Like, he's obviously just a bit adapted. It's got money. Mm. I think that's, it's went to seed and he's had injuries and time to to dwell on it. Um, but it should have definitely been a longer thing. It was, it was quite an interesting watch. Jose, I mean, do you think it was... I didn't, I didn't think they really represented his Hibs career very much. Well, I, I thought we got a good 90 seconds or something. Mm. <laughs> it, was, it, was like, it was only a fairly major part of his fucking career. But no, it was, I thought... I, 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 I kind of echo that. It was like, it felt like it should have been longer. Mm. It felt like it should have been longer, to be honest, because it was like, I think there was a lot that was sweating this too. But uh, no, I thought it was all right. I thought it was all right. It was quite interesting. I mean, could have, could have been extended a bit. I know the when he refused to talk about the whole thing with Scotland, and I think we all know what kind of happened there with his sister and stuff like that. But um, what I th- couldn't believe they never talked about was the whole incident with the Elvis impersonator, where by all accounts they were in some club in Port Seaton, and his mother's a big Elvis fan, and she's like, "This guy's shite. I didn't really want to listen to this." So Gary O'Connor thinks the best way to deal with that is to run over and heat butt the boy. I mean that's that, that that's a film. Right, you <laughs> you can build a film. Yeah. <laughs> you know. What is it with hip streakers and the like and Elvis impersonators? By the way, did Anthony Stokes know about one as well? Hi, hi. It's like it's basically a single contract when you're a striker like that. If you ever see an Elvis impersonator, you have to fucking say it up. It's like that. This is contractually obliged. I mean, I did yeah, like. Maybe, sorry. I suppose, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose it could be that anybody who wants to be an Elvis impersonator is probably a bit of a trick. <laughs> oh, Nicholas Cage. I mean, he's. But he took it too far, though. With Lisa Marie, didn't he? But. Um, <laughs> The I did like Yogi Hughes on it, who did manage to to give the two or three quote that he gives about everything. It's talking about how him and uh, sorry O'Connor and Riordan stole his car and parked it in his house. Ah, that's brilliant, you know. I mean, that's some fucking prank, like you know. And I bet there was a million other stories. And then just routinely drops in. So basically, I used to lock them in a room, darken it, and then butter fuck with them. <laughs> just start swinging. He's like, but that's how you get their character. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm 100% sure he's told that story before in the paper or something, mm-hmm. but he was bollock naked in the story. So he was chasing around in the that dark. That wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't Bullock-naked. surprise me. Um, cause the he only was... thing I did about that documentary, though, is I think it was very sympathetic to, to O'Connor. There was a couple of things that were left out, just basically one they mentioned, mm. which might have happened in a longer one. Like... He was like, basically, somebody stitched me up with the drugs test, and like, like somebody's obviously leaked it, but you still failed the drugs test. That's still on you. And then also, the let him off with no talk, not let him off, but didn't really press him much on that Scotland mm. thing. And there was no mention, as you say, about the Elvis thing, but he also, 
it hibs in a second spell, crashed his car, well pushed, didn't he? And then claimed he, he was a deer came out at Long Midry, I think, I mean, a deer or down there, but... A deer? Yeah. <laughs> I, I swore for a deer, and then ran away for the scene and came uh. back the next day for it. So things that probably should have, like, if you're trying to get a fair balance thing. But the guy, to me, it just it genuinely looked like a guy that got too much money too soon and didn't came out to do it. I mean, I thought it was interesting when he said um, about the, the, the cocaine, how Birmingham City and the FA covered it up and said that he had to go for an operation. And then he just casually drops in. There was top Premier League players with me as well in the fucking yeah. hearing. And I'm like, fuck me, documentary maker. Like, I'm not leaving here till you tell us who it is. Do you know what I mean? Because that would just blow your whole documentary up forever. Um, I was like, I think the other, the other one that they've never covered at all is they never really covered his blood doping and fucking light in Russia either, which he just casually dropped into a conversation. Mm. But it was like, they, that was like a previous interview. I fucking, so they did this fucking stuff here. They did this stuff here. Like, they take your body and then put new blood back in. Like, that's pretty much the definition of blood doping because it was like, cause I think where he said that, it was like, I think it was it was on the radio or something and it was like and it wasn't picked up with Eric in the fucking like in the studio or that either. And it was no. like and it only became a thing when the Russian team that he was at. Like fucking they obviously heard about this. It went, he's talking absolute shit. It's like I don't think he is talking absolute shit because no. he had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. He obviously thought it was just a routine thing. <laughs> he must have thought it was like a routine thing and thought there's nothing of it because it was so casual about it the way he said it. And then Locomotive basically tried to paint him as like a drug adult fucking weirdo who's got, mm. who's got no memory. <laughs> Can't be trusted. So and, then, and I think I I think we came to the point with that was that he had no idea that this was in any form illegal. This might apply that as wildly, wildly illegal. And you you basically get banned for this. It was like bye, you never fucking died. I think he just didn't again, but I think there's possibly quite a lot in Gary O'Connor's life where he just didn't again shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought they, they missed a fucking trick by not having Riordan on it as well, like, Ken. Yeah. It would have been great to get his season. I mean, you've got Ian Murray sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck's he, you know, it's bizarrely, he had a bizarre mood about him, Ian Murray. Like, he's just sort of taking it really seriously then throwing in the odd line and all that. But it was. Um... I don't know, he always strikes me as a bit fucking simple, Ian Murray, every time he talks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he kind of got a sentence out properly. I mean, I, I can, I, the one thing I always remember with Ian Murray was that uh, when Hibs and Hertz were playing in the cup final in 2012, and he was in the paper a couple of weeks before it saying, it's a fucking disgrace that fucking Hibs are allowed to get away. They need to get away and fucking all the rest, kind of bold for, for this cup final and that kind of thing. I think Petrie was being fucking tight with the money. And then if you remember, Jose Fenland managed to organise something in Dublin where they went to training for a few weeks. And then after they get beat, Murray comes on and goes, it's a fucking disgrace Fenland took them away. Like They should have been in the city where I'm on amongst it knowing what it means to the people. It's just like, for fuck's sake, man. The boy can't even fucking win, like, you know? But aye, I, but it was... Ian you, you, Murray, he was like that, fucking, like, kind of bozzy steel on the boy as well because it was just after his life, to go to the Angels. And uh, I'm sure it was a derby, like, right after that. And I was walking along to the ground and I was like, that's fucking Ian Murray. And it was like that. And he, I, he was just sort of strolling into the fucking Gundy cell and it was like that. It wasn't in the director's book or fuck on, just went in fucking terrace. It was like, mm. that's a fucking bold fucking move considering that you've just left for Rangers. I seen but him. I, I seen him going into a Hibs game once actually. It wasn't a Hibs Celtic game. 
and I remember like, I was like picked my ticket up and I turned around and thought, for fuck's sake the first kind of season EBT fucking guy you know what I mean anyway that was Gary O'Connor now one of the things because um, we've kind of this, I can't even remember why it's alright we can't hear them fuck's sake man. Um, that was Paul getting his wallet out um, but the we talked about well, questions I posed for you cause I can't remember why the fuck we were talking about this last week was uh, good and bad friendlies you've been to Paul give us a good friendly you've been to I like if you it. can <laughs> well that's what I was going to say it's pretty hard to pick them because inevitably they're a disappointment but I um, went to one when I was younger when we played Porto mm-hmm. at Tynecastle and I uh, we go beat 3-1, but I just, I don't know what it was. I really enjoyed it. It was like a good crowd. Porto were fucking excellent. Was this pre-season late? Aye, pre-season. Porto were excellent. And it's different. It was different for just getting an English team up the road as well. And like, it was basically, they gave us a bit of a lesson, but it was good to watch that kind of football. It's when they were on the Champions League quite regularly and stuff. So Aye. That was, they were a really good team. And uh, another one was Keegan's Newcastle came up. Mm-hmm. With them. They had Genoa and Beardsley. Clark and Rob Lee and all that they were a good good team they beat us 1-0 but it was a really good game they brought like a good couple of thousand fans up with them Aye. and made it, made it feel a bit more a bit better than just a a bog standard friendly but I I'm struggling to think of good ones to be honest I always go but I always think they're shite <laughs> what about yourself was there any friendly standout that you've been to uh, there's, aye, there's been a couple actually. It was when when Swiss said that I was like, fucking friendlies. I was like, that fucking in one year, another breaks. But then I was like, I'm not a fearless made a couple of good ones. One of my favourite ones was uh, Hipsley Dynamo Moscow. It was, it was in the, it was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was that was the one where I came the closest to converting one of your family ball into a fucking heavy. And it was like, I took fucking Stephen and it had an absolute fucking ball. And I was like, you just become a heavy anyway. And he was like that. I could see he was contemplating it. It never actually quite worked, but fucking I, I think Hibs beat too honest. It was a good, it was a good game though. But it was like at that point, uh, Hibs only played in Europe for fucking ages. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I actually played fucking like half decent for the European side. Uh, in terms of, it was kind of a good and bad one. Uh, that, I, there was another, there was another couple of good ones. Where it was, uh, but Hibs played, Hibs played Aston Villa. I think it was Alan Stenner's testimonial. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that one was fucking amazing. It was because uh, we had Kenny Douglas played. Kenny Douglas played because obviously an ex teammate, fucking Alan Snedder. Aye. And he was well retired at that. He was well retired at that point. But he basically never moved anywhere than about five yards for the halfway line. Mm-hmm. And he fucking set, and he set up three goals for fucking three. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that. It's absolutely fucking brilliant. That was a game. Hibs won 4-2. And I came in the game. And I was convinced it was three two because I was scored in the first minute and fucking hadn't had a roll or anything. And I, I was completely unaware about this until the next the day. But, <laughs> so that was one. I wasn't even buried. <laughs> well, I remember <laughs> actually. What what was it you called? Um, you know, they sort of. It's not a camp, but like a summer camp when you all go to this, your school when, during the summer, basically. Um, Just camp. No, like Ken, but you would you would you would go to Ken if you were at Muru School. You'd go to Muru School or whatever. During the, um, it had a fucking name for it, but anyway, we were oh, all. Oh, I, 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 can't. I think it begins with an S, but I just can't think it at all. Anyway, this is an anyway. I remember Hibs were playing Chelsea in a pre-season friendly, and I swear to God, like the people that were there it was like say Graham Manan and and Beaky and all that Hibbies, 
you know, absolutely uh, convinced that Chelsea would hammer Hibs at football, but the entire population of Edinburgh would be waiting on Chelsea to kill them, basically, Ken. And it's all we talked about all fucking summer. Um, gets to the actual game, and he's, I, I, I went to it, fucking Hibs won 4-1. And there was no Chelsea mob whatsoever at the fucking game. There was maybe about 20 fucking Chelsea fans there or something, because this is obviously before the Abramovich years and all that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, in terms of, I mean, I've been to a lot of great friendlies, um, testimonials and stuff like that. Probably with the standout was maybe Ryan Giggs, we beat them 4-3 at Old Trafford, and it was Chris Sutton slapped Beckham in the face and all that, you know, it was all these kind of things. Um, I would say one of my favourite ones was uh, Tony Mowbray's testimonial at Earsome Park, and um, we'd just, he'd signed for us the previous October, November, and then we'd go down for his testimonial, and there was about 10,000 Celtic fans waiting doing. It was a beautiful Scotsman pre-season game. And like most of these English fucking um, yoko places you go to, there's a mob of like 30 Nazis, you know, trying to go to the Celtic fans. And, um, you know, there's the usual 25 stone skinhead who's leading it all, you know. And um, so anyway, this is getting worse. But the mere and mere Celtic fans are getting in. By this time... Um, the fucking Celtic fans are fucking ready to have a go. Because what's happened is the Celtic fans, there's way they've completely underestimated how many Celtic fans have come. So they've started to spill into the enclosure where these Nazis are. And uh, that led to the Nazis trying to attack them, which then led to basically every country Celtic can run on the park and go after the Nazis at half time. So there's like fucking mayhem going on. We're getting beat one out at half time. We actually drew one all. Coin, Tommy Coyne scored the equaliser. Uh, also that, by the way, was the first day I ever saw the back pass rule uh, come into play. Anyway, so there's fucking mass brawls going on at half time and fucking all oh, everyone's shouting Celtic, Celtic on the park and all that, right? It, this, this is happening. Tony Mowbray's inside the ground thanking every cunt for coming down. <laughs> Completely obviously underwear, there's a full scale riot going on, like, you know? Um, and then we went back to this pub in Beamish, which was... Uh, you know, it's a quite a historical place and all that kind of thing. And we've we've lost him down Ken 50 fucking nutters fucking Edinburgh. And we went in and then there was like a, a bar completely empty, but then there was a lounge completely full, right? So me and boy Rab McVicker, we just said, well, fuck this, I'm not queuing up 50 people. We'll go into the lounge. And as I walked in, I heard some kind of shout, well, here they come, the Mo Johnston boys, eh? So I thought, oh, fuck. Because obviously this is after he'd, you know, went to them. <laughs> And fucking McVicker's like, ah, got to be soapy bubble in here, like, guaranteed. <laughs> I'm thinking, ah, you've probably got to fucking start it, you know? And um, so anyway, after a while, the beer starts flowing out, and the boys actually turned out to be brand new. What had happened was, some kind of pre-booked the bus in there, and the fucking Chinese rumour started, and somebody had told somebody that a fucking rugby team from Scotland was coming to wreck the pub. So they'd fucking rounded up all the local nutcases, getting to defend the pub. Which is a fucking right, obviously, but in reality, of course, everyone was just here to get fucking pissed. And it ended up, bear in mind, it was only Beamish, like, three of their boys came back in their bus to Edinburgh. <laughs> I, I think purely for the reason I that the pub was shutting. And that. we still had Bevy, you know what I mean? But uh, that, that was brilliant. It was brilliant. I mean, that, I mean that, that's one now we fucking hit, so it's like that. We just um, basically aren't allowed to fucking play any fucking weekend fucking friendlies in England at all. Because it's just it's just absolute fucking chaos every time we fucking play there. 
like every fucking bar in fucking Edinburgh basically goes there. Mm. And it's like, makes, makes it fairly entertaining or whatever, but it's like, fuck it hell. It's like, we're just basically banned from playing Saturday games in fucking England at all. It's just, you can't do that because there's just going to be thousands of go do mm. It's like, I think, I think the sort of final straw with that one was, uh, what's his name, like, UC Ascalina, like a bolt and keeper. Mm-hmm. Like, it's his testimonial. It's his testimonial, and that was just fucking absolute fucking carnage fucking everywhere. And that was the one where, like, I always managed to get leathered within an hour of fucking arriving in Bolton because we walked out of the cruiser opposite the train station. Like, mm-hmm. one of my mates had missed the train. So we're like, right, no, it's fine, we'll just fucking meet in this cruiser. We're meeting this cruiser, we can see it here, and it's like, we'll turn around and so we like, just see when you get here, that'll be fine. Turns out that, that was the cruiser for like, fucking Bolton casuals. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I show any fucking Nazi cunts. And mind, mind the Manchester, mind the boy who go attack with the dog. Uh, like when the hunts were there. Oh, right, aye, aye, aye. He was a Bolton fan. He was a Bolton <laughs> fan. So he was turning around and proudly fucking showing us his fucking scars for this fucking dog attacking over Rangers going in Manchester just to basically be as intimidating as possible. But, uh, like, fucking, we weren't on the ball or fucking, but it was like, it was, I think it was three years. Mm-hmm. So it was me, and not, sorry, it was four years. It was me, another boy, his missus, his daughter, who was five years old. Mm. So fucking a lot of these Bolton casuals were all growling like fuck at us. And he basically got this fucking beer and he's a big fucking six year old or whatever. He's fucking blowing bubbles at all the fucking Bolton fucking Bolton casuals and it's like that. Jesus fuck, we're going to get absolutely led out here and everything like that. But it turns out she managed to diffuse the situation slightly. Trainer and I probably was like, oh, just come up for a pint. It's like, well, you fuck, we'll be heading up the road here. Like, no, <laughs> no happening to do. That is not happening even remotely. Let's get the fuck out of here while we're still alive. Save me a six-year-old. So, aye. I mean, it's... Hibs can't be playing in England anyway. I know, like, we, none of us have kind of ever run about with fucking casuals or anything like that. Although Jay Anderson keeps tweeting me in MCF on every tweet, like, you know, the glory days and all that, okay? <laughs> but, um... The, the fucking, I mean, especially Manchester, London, that, no so much, we didn't really get bothered in Manchester, Liverpool, because there's a lot of fucking Irish here and whatever, but like, the, the seriousness of their kind of crews is fucking unbelievable, like, you know what I mean? I mean, I've seen the Man United crew once at fucking Highbury, and I swear to God, like, I think you could have invaded Afghanistan. I mean, <laughs> fuck me, the vans, and of course, there are all the men in black and all this, you know, it's fucking intimidating and... Um, for a lot of people and of course they didn't give a fuck I mean that's what they want to do is intimidate people um, but I'll go to my bad friendly and this is actually I didn't go to friendlies anywhere and this is the reason why it was Alan Shearer's uh, testimonial 2006 and um, we had played there um, previous to that for Peter Beersley's and had a great time and all the rest of it um, and there was and there was, which kind of shocked me at the time a wee bit of a Nazi element towards some of the Newcastle support, which meant there was a bit hingy. But then, so we get into the game, and every kind of got a free Newcastle scarf with Shearer uh, sewn in, and he, he waved this at the start. You're like, fair enough. And Freddie Shepherd, I think it was Freddie Shepherd, his name, him that was on the fucking News of the World Sting video when he was calling all the lassies sluts and the strips cost fuck all to make that. Come out, oh, two best fucking most passionate fans in Britain, and all this kind of thing. And then Ant and Deck come out, and it was like fucking anyway. anyway fucking Celtic played absolutely brilliant in the game, right? And it was, you know, I got under Gordon Strachan, so that was rare. And uh, we're 2 1 up cruising, and we literally threw the game, right? Because there'd obviously been some pre preordained thing 
where Alan Shearer had to score a penalty in the last minute. So we basically gave them the goal to give him the penalty to score in the last minute. The goalie never made a save for it and all that kind of thing. And I was absolutely fucking raging. I wasn't drinking at the time as well. That might have exacerbated it. But I was like, this is fucking outrageous. Now, we had spotted before the game where the Celtic team was playing. People knew, I don't know if it's still there, the Malmaison in Newcastle, right, doing it at the key area. And I was like, I'm going to do it fucking, fucking remonstrate with cunts because this is fucking outrageous. So the first fucking cunt I saw was Adam Virgo. I don't know if you ever remember him. A big useless lumpy shite, right? Big fucking guy, like, yeah? And uh, he's like, all right, lads. And I said, no, I'm not fucking all right. And he's like, what do you mean? So I basically gave you that whole spiel. It's for fucking Celtic Football Club. We're fucking lying down for that wanker, you know? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, maybe it went over the top, obviously. And in the midst of it, right? See, when I was doing it, I'm obviously quite a big person myself, but it fucking, it was nothing on Virgo. Especially at the time, it was a lot, lot lighter. I think myself, this cunt could just knock me spark out here, like, yeah? you know, he just, without even thinking about it, you know, and he went, he sat there and he went, you know what, you're right, mate, and he goes into his bag and hands me Les Ferdinand's top for that night that he'd swapped with him, he'd played, obviously, for Newcastle, so he'd hear of that, I was like, fucking hell, you know, so I was kind of like, what the fuck am I going to do with this Newcastle top, like, again, I'm not a fan of Newcastle, this, that, next thing, and I donated it to Celtic, you know, because it had one at Alan Shearer testimonial, Newcastle versus Celtic, Ken put it up in the thing, mate. And that was in May 2006. And we're in August 2020. I've never seen that fucking top since. Anyway. So that's why. But eh, long-winded. But Paul, um, friendlies, bad ones you've been to? For Aye, any bad, reason. Uh, for any reason. I Craig Levine's first testimonial. <laughs> played Coventry. Was that the one that was about 300 people there? Aye, because we played the day before against Kilmarnock mm-hmm. and got pumped. Mm-hmm. And we beat 3 1 at Kilmarnock. Right. So we'd been shite, obviously. And, like, it was paid at the gate. There was no, no, no tickets mm-hmm. for that. And, like, I think it was 2,500 turned up. And, like, you can say what you want about Levine. Like, it was a big play for us. And it was. No, no, felt Felt really bad. And we got fucking pumped as well. 5 <laughs> 1. Salako scored two and uh, Peter and Love scored two. Which is the oh, aye, Salako, aye. Was, we, was, we, is that no... Did, did, the same, did the same thing happen with Gary McKay? Was there no, like, make-up turned up at his testimonial as well? Uh, and he was a bit before. Like, I didn't think I went. We played Everton. I don't know if we got a bad turnout or not. Mm. I, 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 I've, I've got in my head that, fucking, like, it, it, was exactly the same, it was exactly the same scenario. It, it was on the Sunday. And helps them go scalp to the fucking Saturday, like the day before. And they come up to the testimonial. I've just got quite possibly exactly the same thing happened with Gary McKay and Craig Levine. What? Levine got a second one at that because it was so poor. Who's it? Hibs Select. Hibs Select? For fuck's sake. Well, the Harps Select versus Hibs Select. John Leslie played in goals for the And John Collins played when he was, I'm sure he was at Monaco, played for Hibs. But Jose, but, uh, is, see the, the Levine scenario Paul described, that's used in filth by Irvin Welsh, isn't it? The next door neighbour, uh, Bruce Robertson, is a is a Hertz player. And you can tell he's talking about it's Craig Levine, but it's you know, he gets a shit testimonial and all that sort of thing. And um because that was see, I think I lot you didn't really get these kind of things, but these sort of things when you're growing up are absolutely massive in terms of fodder to, you know, and, and ammunition to fucking attack your fellow friends with. Um, I mean, I remember like there was huge fights amongst people about the New Year's sprint at Meadowbank. 
because Craig Levine had won it once or some fucking shit, you know what I mean? And you think, you know, you get to the point where you're kind of like, did that actually happen? Or did somebody just make that up once and it just kind of grew arms and legs? But yourself, Jose, uh, bad friendlies for any other reason. I mean, obviously you mentioned Bolton, but is there any other ones Aye. you just thought, what the fuck am I doing here? I mean, the the Bolton one, if you're honest, I thought, I, I had a good day. It was like, it was all right, fit up shit, but they usually are Particularly bad one was like again in terms of the testimonials that fucking like didn't get anything for turning up mm. was Ian Mo- getting a testimonial <laughs> having left him to go to the fucking office because because he technically had ten years at him mm-hmm. it was like aye but it was with a hunts for fucking three years in the middle and it was like I think with that I can literally not one person that actually went here it was like that I think I I went but I went myself. I went myself and I looked about it and I was like that. I'm literally the only person that I can. Who, was, who was it against, like? Arsenal. Arsenal, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Because <laughs> I remember, like, I remember uh, I went to a couple of, I heard my United game and I was my United game and my United won both of them. We won 4-2 at Tynecastle and 3 now at Easter Road. And if you remember, Jose, it was a um, Gordon yeah, Strachan. the race testimony. Uh, Gordon what Strachan was, was playing for my United and he put in the programme Remember him a hippie, so didn't he? I mean, I think Tortolano done him in the first fucking minute, did he not? It was Joe Tortolano managed to get set up in the first minute. He had a fucking, <laughs> a fucking testimonial fucking. Aye, be Gordon Mays it was, aye. Be, be absolutely launching fucking Gordon Stracker over the advertising boards in the fucking like in the stand. He's like that, literally a fucking. A boot, a waist high fucking challenge. Mm-hmm. Like fucking two fitting fucking waist high challenge. The referee's just like, well, I'm going to send you off. It's like, I really haven't got any option. <laughs> it's like, I literally, I'm supposed to fucking playing for Man United. And it's like, that's who you decide to fucking empty. Fucking I mean, I got the raise. I mean, I think I think the Hertz one was Eamon Bannon's testimony. I don't know if you can remember, or you'll not remember it, but it would be 89. Because Jim Layton was playing for Man United at the time. Uh, but we will move swiftly on. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, another question that was posed, uh, I don't know if you can remember, is uh, players who have left you that you still love or are dead to you. And this comes on the back of the Kieran Tierney comments where he basically said that he was getting death threats um, for leaving Celtic and he was scared to leave the house and all that kind of thing. And... um, you know, which is, <laughs> I mean, that sort of thing, I think, if we were talking about this five years ago, we'd be like, for fuck's sake, you know, the rest of that. I think, I don't think that surprises anybody, you know. And all you'd need is a hundred fucking idiots giving pe- people death threats, you know, for the person that's getting them. That's horrific, you know what I mean? And you think, like, the whole world's against you. Um, but, but Paul, I mean, is there any players that you've left, that have left Hertz? Because I, I think Hertz supporters do this thing where they, every cunt who plays for them is brilliant until they leave. And then they say, I was shite anyway. But um, your brother Mark was, was, a, was, a, was a fucking king of that kind of stuff. Sitting there and convince you that fucking, you know, Billy Mackay was like fucking Romario. And then be like, oh, I'm glad we got used to that fucking useless cunt and that kind of thing. But is there any players that have left Hertz who you really, truly still love? Who and I have to put this caveat in here, one they part of any cheating. <laughs> um well it depends on your Because you, the obvious one is that fucking idiot Scatchel who Oh I Scatchel, but I'm thinking about somebody that left us that went to a club that 
traditionally would not like is Hartley. Like he went to Celtic and still got a round of applause when he came back, which is fucking unheard of to, to mm. get a Celtic put a round of applause. And he still he got a warm welcome when he came back with Aberdeen and all that as well. And bear in mind, Hartley tried to force through a move years before they actually got one, mm-hmm. and the fans forgave him in that as well. But just for what he done for us, and he was, I think, I think the way he came back from that transfer request the first time, and didn't he sort of spit the dummy and didn't he, didn't he sort of hold it against the club? I think he understood why we turned it down, and he, he knuckled in and had two or three great near seasons after that for us, including winning the cup. I mean, it's so I, it's I'm funny with the. With him and Presley and Gordon in the dressing room unrescuing, the whole three of them ended up at Celtic, which is yeah. something I would never have fucking allowed, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> I think he, I mean, I've met him, I think he's an archie little prick, to be quite honest. <laughs> he's so, I just think he's so, um, how could I put it? Like, you know, I, I, met, him a, I met him at high, I met him <laughs> at a scenario where he was invited, he was a guest of honour at a dinner, right? You know, shirt and tie kind of thing. And the people, all, all the men who'd been told he was coming, I'd say, you know, every can't grow a beard to support him, kind of thing, right? For a laugh. And he got told that. So he turned up, right, in a pair of jeans and a grey leather jacket, come lean shaven. And uh, the fucking Cameroon, the meal comedy goes, oh, I'm not wanting a meal, I'm going for a Chinese after this. And I was like, I'm thinking, what the fuck is, you know? And, uh, and every time any cunt asked him a question, it was as if they were threatening him. So, and he would be like, because I said to him, remember he done that thing in the Millwall fanzine years ago? And it was like, mm. if you had the power of something, he said, I'd have power of a bird and I'd fly over Ibrox and shit over the orange bastards, you know, and all this kind of thing. He was a daft boy when he done it in Millwall fanzine. But I was like, hey, what happened to that? And he's like, ah, fucking press phone me up. I've got a story. I was like, ah, what fucking story, like? Story about you. Me? What about fucking me, like? This is how he's telling me that, right? He's like, fucking uh, Millwall fanzine, years ago. Fucking Millwall fanzine? What the fuck is the hell's a fanzine like? And it was like this. It was like that, the big man, Ken, for fucking chewing the fat. <laughs> it's like, right, Paul, calm down, man. Um, but I will, I will say this. He won us the league in 2008 by, when we played the Huns, and Jan Benigori Hessling scored the last kick of the ball. I was in the Bronx watching it. Barry Ferguson, they equalised that night and Barry Ferguson took control of the game and Paul Harley went over and absolutely fucking banjoed his ankle and he never kicked a ball in the game and that's what won us the game because if he would have kept on he would have won them the game that time. Um, but you still love him to this day, Paul, eh? Aye, aye, top man. The thing is, Skatchel's the one I would have picked but I was thinking maybe somebody that left under a, under a bit of a cloud but he didn't want, he really didn't know what it was at the time when Skatchel came back probably more successful the second time but I Jose, what about yourself? Again it's a similar one with Paul where it's like I I kind of I tend to I tend to give the benefit of the doubt to what? like most of the players that oh to players <laughs> for fuck's sake I think you're talking about <laughs> life there no it was like I, I can mostly I can mostly understand people leaving mm-hmm. when people leaving your club and it's like that you're gone for more money, you're gone for fucking a better opportunity, you're gone for more playing time, it's like that, and most of them sort of fit into these sort of categories. But, so I think for, in terms of the ones that you still like, even though you fucking probably shouldn't have because of where they went, mm-hmm. and one, the one for me was always, it was Latapi. He's the only fucking, he's the only, he's the only player that's I've ever signed for Rangers, perhaps, that I've been like, nah, Kim, what, I'm all right now. 
oh, I feel all right with that. Plus, mm-hmm. it, it was shaving them, so that was good. So that that kind of helped. That kind of helped there. Like, he wasn't great with them at all. But I, that that would be my one. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, Ezra Tapp, because I fucking love them as a fucking player that. And he was also a bam, which is always good. Always, bits, uh-huh. always first and quick. We have I mean, the obvious one for me to see would be Henrik Larsson, eh? Because, you know, he gave us seven years and he was still at the top of his career when he went to Barcelona, obviously. And then even when he was at Man United three or four years later, he was still fucking absolutely brilliant. And I just think, you know, and I still believe that we didn't realise just what we heard when he was there. You know, for a guy to come in for Feyenoord, you know, and and end up within seven years, one of which he wasn't even playing and obviously we'd be getting injured, to be the third, the, the third top scorer in the club's history is just fucking absolutely incredible. Like you know what I mean, um, and he kind of never lets us do since. But also, uh, Brian McClare was one for me where I he was always underrated by um, Celtic fans because you know Judas was the golden boy at the time, and I always followed him. I knew he was a top player, and it didn't surprise me at all when he um, was the first Man United player to score twenty league goals since George Best. Um, and just one of the kind of intelligent football players that people who didn't really understand football have no fucking clue how to look at them and they just say oh he's fucking rubbish and all that kind of thing especially the half-wits that followed Scotland at the time which was all basically fucking Huns you know having a go at him and all that kind of thing um, but I always always liked him um, he was a hero growing up but Paul what about um, players who you really really fucking hate that have left hurts? I think I think it's quite hard because there's nobody there's not been any of that that's left that's been that something that I've cared about that much in the recent years. There's guys I've really liked like Patterson and stuff, but he was kind of taking a, a step into the Premiership and stuff, so well, championship and then the Premiership. And it was his time to go for a move, so I didn't really hold that against him. There's not really been anybody that I've been devastated and thought I was a complete prick for since I was a bear. Apart from maybe like Danny Swanson, but mainly due to the fact that we should never have seen the cunt in the first place and he never tried a leg at any time he was at us. But, uh, <laughs> I, I remember know, your I brother... Really I remember yeah. your brother Mark having a fucking nervous breakdown when they were when they sold Colin Cameron. Aye. He, aye but then, I think he wrote a letter to Hertz and everything, like... I think he asked for season ticket money back. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody ever heard that? Like, you know, I'm not going to see Club just goes, hey, there's your money, see you later. I think, uh, I think that was more due to the club selling when they explicitly said they wouldn't. Like, uh, again, it's no, Cameron's, it's no Cameron's fault. He went to the Premiership. Where did he go to Wolves, is it? Aye, uh, Premier League, sorry. Aye, aye there's, there's not that many that I, I look at and can't stand, to be honest. Presley it, a bit. I mean, Presley... Aye, well, but has anybody came back and done damage to Hertz on the on the pitch that left Hertz? Um, I suppose Gordon always done pretty well against us. I mean, a lot of big saves and stuff. And I thought, whereas Hartley came back and kind of showed a bit of respect to the crowd, Gordon came entirely rightly to be fair he came in as a Celtic player and was like involved with all the fans and mm. picking them up and stuff and celebrated every goal in that and some Hearts fans obviously thought he I shouldn't mean, be in that in front of us obviously um, was he Paul's floundering here so before I, you name a player <laughs> um, where do you stand on ex-players no celebrating against you? <sighs> right I I 
it, dep- it depends on the reason why they aren't celebrating. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody who's been a lifelong fucking fan of the fucking club and fucking stuff played at the club and then they didn't celebrate. I'm always kind of like, that, that's fair enough. That's so recently signed in respect. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's been at fucking like the club for fucking six months on fucking loan and only <laughs> celebrating a fucking goal and you stuff like that. Oh, wait, fuck yourself. You just scored. It's like, literally right. your fucking job. What are you supposed to be there? You celebrate fucking goals. It's like, fuck. I didn't I can what point the balance actually fucking changes when I'm like that. No, that's fine. Or, then he'd be an absolute fucking prick. You're just fucking turning around and trying to ingratiate yourself with people. Yeah, it's like, it's fake as fuck, away and fuck. Mm. I mean, I must admit, <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life was when... Um, <laughs> when Derek Riordan played for Celtic and scored the Easter Road and jumped into the Celtic end. <laughs> He'd only left a year before. I, I can't... See, with that, I can't do it. No, that's fucking fair enough. He scored. He was also getting absolutely fucking dogs abuse for the fucking end support as well. Mm. It was... Uh, I, in, ter- in terms of ones who've left, in terms of ones who've left fucking like Ebbs, I'd hate... Funnily enough, go back to... Uh, go back to the same one. That would be Paul Hartley. Fucking I, An absolute <laughs> little cunt. <laughs> he has done was, a bit damage to me, Phil. Aye. Uh, no, him and Kevin Thompson, who ended up fucking back at Hibs. It was like, Kevin Thompson, like, just an absolute fucking ball bag. Like, I really, really couldn't detect him again. It's like, so he can away and fuck himself. It's like, because there's ways that you can, there's ways that you can date him. And fairness with Paul Hartley, Paul Hartley left him because he was like, because he was shy with us. It was like, it was when he went to St. Johnston that he fucking, like, actually fucking, like, became a half decent fucking centre on the fielder. He was a pretty ineffective winger with us. Kevin Thompson, the, Kevin Thompson claims that it wasn't it wasn't really his words; it was his fucking agent and the fucking Daily Record who were like turning around and describing things that he never said. Mm. I'm like, but you never objected at the fucking time to say that you could call along the, the old broken glass to play for Rangers. It's like so, nah, away from us. Aye, I, th- I think at the time one of the, the reasons that was Neil made a lot merry was the fact that Collins at that time called Keith Jackson a business agent for the Huns. And then Jackson just sort of didn't go because he was basically Willie Mackay was basically feeding him the shite to get him at the club. You know what I mean? And Brown sort of done the right thing, stayed and donated the money and all that kind of thing, much like what Connor did, which I did. I wasn't aware. I didn't know Connor had done the same thing, like. But that's good. Um, But I, I mean, you know, I could dance around it and try and pick somebody else out, but I have to go for the obvious, Maurice Johnston. I mean, I was actually thinking about this, like, at the time, you, you kind of remember this obviously a little better than Paul, Jose, that when he signed for them, it was like, oh, you'll never play a game, Ken. You'll never play. It's a publicity stunt, Ken. And then when he played, it was like, I'll never score a goal for them. And I still remember where I was when he scored his first goal for them. It was against Aberdeen. We'd be beat at Paisley, and that was that time where we would kick off an hour earlier. We were coming back on the bus, going past fucking Ibrox on the lottery when the cunt scored. And I remember that it was like, it was like Cain and Abel. It was like your brother fucking stabbing you. That's what it felt like. It really, the whole bus was like, fuck's sake. Um, he'd played against us, never done fucking anything. Looked like he was shitting himself the whole fucking game, rightly so. Um, and then what had happened was, the first time he scored the game, he only scored against us twice. The first time he um, scored against us was at Ibrox, and we had, you know, we had fucking weren't having a great season or anything by any means. And Billy McNeil kind of played a back five with Tommy Burns at left back, and we managed to contain them pretty well, um, considering the players had and all that. But I was actually in the Hun Centre stand that day because we knew we had the tickets, and so 
fucking, you know, there's like 10 of us in a row, Celtic fans, right in the fucking centre stand at Ibrox. And nobody really fucking tippled or fuck all. Primarily because there hadn't been any goals or anything like that. Ken, it's no, no. And um, I remember a guy, Ronnie Wilson, fucking, uh, what happened was the, the Hun defender had slipped, coin went in, hit the post, rolled out to Joe Muller, just tap it in, he puts it past the post. Fucking Ronnie Wilson next to me, Big Tim st- jumps up. And you're thinking, what the fuck are you doing, Ronnie? And the Hun Woods threw it, kicked it to me. Somebody kicked it to McCoyce, and McCoyce just laid it off on the halfway line. And by this time, all eyes are on Ronnie, and Ronnie's just went, for fuck's sake, McCoyce, that's how you fucking do, lay the bastard and ball off. To which quite a few Huns started to agree with him. You know, <laughs> which was good. And uh, then fucking, my, me and my cousin were standing at half time, Ken. And this boy come over to us. Like, and this has never, ha- never happened to me in my life before or since. And he goes, what do you know we are any colours for? <laughs> and I was like, I, mean, I was 15, you know. So I'm like, uh, my cousin goes, oh, we're Clyde supporters. We just came for a game like. He's like, oh, I can get you a couple of scarves if you want. And I'm like, fuck. No, but anyway, so we go back. So anyway, we fucking, eight to eight minutes, we're like, right, let's get the fuck out of here. It's no, no, that'll do. And out we go. And you kind of, you've got like the big gates between the broom loan and the fucking stand at uh, Ibrox. There's a few times watching, because by this time they'd cut our allocation, eh? there's a few times watching, um, sort of through the gaps and all that kind of thing, right? And the Celtic had a free kick on the edge of the box, and you're thinking, you can't really see, but you can see they had a free kick. And there's like maybe a minute passes, and all of a sudden you hear this roar, and this boy in front of you immediately jumps up, you fucking beauty, we've done it! And then you're like, nah, that's the whole day, mate. And you could see them all bouncing. And then this boy fucking me a radio was like, ah, it's Johnston. I was like, oh my fucking God. And it just felt like the fucking end of the world. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's it's amazing. It's funny, right, because I'd probably get absolutely dogs abuse, but I tell you something, I'd absolutely love to write a book about the cunt, you know, with him to find out his mindset. Because I spoke to Frank McAvaney about it once, right? And I was like, you know, because McAvaney, if you remember, had actually been offered, the Huns had offered him a million quid to sign for him, and he'd, you know, no chance again. And uh, he said, and that was, he said, you need to buy me fucking Stirling Castle and give me fucking this, that, next thing, and all the rest of it. But McAvaney says, I'll tell you something about fucking him. He says, when I went over to see him when he was playing for Nantes and he's had this friend, Charlie, he said, I took you, it's when McAvaney was going out with that Jenny Blythe the page three model, right? And he goes over there and stays with him. He says, one day, he says, I get up in the morning and go outside. It's Scotland in the summer. And he sees Johnston looking in the window. He has bedroom. So what the fuck's he doing? He goes over and there's Jenny Blythe getting dressed, you know, completely naked. And Johnston turns around to him and says, fucking hell, Frank, she's got great tits, eh? And McAvaney was just like, that's what sums him up. He just doesn't understand, you know, the severity of his actions. And how it could possibly, you know, and uh, but it is, it's a subject I'm still fascinated with because I personally think that set Celtic back years, you know, in terms of the psychological blow it gave to the fans at a time when they were only up and all that kind of thing. So I know that was a very which very... was which was which was entirely what the Huns were aiming. Oh, of course, it was like that. Of course, could, it was. They could have signed. They could have signed a different Catholic. Aye. They could have signed a good fucking forward. Kind of what I mean, it's like that. 
Well, they need him when they've done it was to get to right. Of course it was. I mean, there's oh, no doubt about that, and I didn't blame him for that at all. I mean, we had a bumbling yeah. board at the time that were fucking, you know, because if you bear in mind, you know, he'd paraded, been paraded at Celtic Park and all this kind of thing, and then you're like, and Billy McNeil, I spoke to Billy McNeil about this years later, he was fucking furious with the board because he was like, fucking pursue this and make sure that this is, because there was no way the Hun should have been able to sign him. But the ah. fucking board buckled as they always did. And uh, the only thing they did was um, ban Bill McMurdo for Celtic Park. You know, which, fair enough, he's a fucking cunt and all the rest of it. But what I did like about it was that they, they sent his banning letter in Latin, which I thought was quite funny for somebody that's a bit as uber hun as him, like, you know what I mean? But it was... And, of course, you remember this, Mayor This was back in the, the days when that kind of thing didn't happen. You know, no. I'm talking about no. us signing Presley. Presley had previously paid for the Huns, Mark Brown. And all that. that just didn't fucking happen. And, you know, right. it was a volatile um, period, that, because, you know, that was a year later, fucking Mercer thinks, right, I'm going to um, take over Hibs. And then I always remember that programme that was on the telly where he said, oh, it was religious bigotry that stopped me doing it. Fucking rubbish. You know what I mean? Utter fucking rubbish. It was the people in the streets. Um, but aye, it's, it's, it fascinates me because... Spe- um, specifically history. <laughs> aye, well, but but even... I mean, but again, it's that bubble of... Because, see, one of the things, I know it's a bit of a tangent now, and Jose, you'll remember a little bit, and Paul, people forget how powerful Wallace Mercer was in Scottish football back then. Before I, before I, Murray I, came on the scene, he was the top man. Like he was the voice, and he was fucking moaning and groaning. He, you know, obviously I documented in a film and book. He got a fucking basically ruined a fucking referee's life because he never right. gave a fucking foul for Hertz. You know, he was a powerful fucking guy. Um, if you look at the Hertz programs back then, which I've done in detail recently for books and that, his the open, you open the fucking program and it's his fucking column. This is what's happening, and this is what's this, and this is what's that, and that kind of thing. You never get chairman doing that now. You know what I mean? It's fucking, you know, hardly any company even know who they were. But it was a volatile thing, you know, and I think, you know, something that probably wouldn't raise an eyelid very much now. You know, if Celtic signed Morelos, there'd be fucking three or four daisy headlines and then people would be going, either, well, fucking brilliant, get up them, or what are we signing this useless cunt for? You know, it'd be moving on to something else. But, um, but aye, it's, it's, it shows you players that fucking change and all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, is there any, like, see, see further this one a bit, is there any players that are now in Scottish football that you absolutely hate? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, there's not one hun yeah. that I hate, because I don't even know who half them are. That's the truth. Right. Kenny Snowder, right? Uh, Kenny Snowder, right? Oh, no, I don't. Oh fucking Alan McGregor's still playing for them. Fuck, Alan McGregor's still. Well, aye. <laughs> he's, uh, aye, he, aye, he is an absolute prick. Like, there's no, there's no getting away from that. Like, how he managed to fucking elbow his way back onto the international scene is beyond me. Like, it just kind of sprung up on me that he was back in the squads, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is a guy who got fucking steamboats between two games, and then gave the V signs to the cameras when he was dropped for it, and he gets back aye. in. Paul, anybody? Eh, nah, no, not really. Like, even with, it's weird, even with Hibs, like, for 90 minutes I'll give them dogs abuse and everything under the sun mm. and I hope they all feel miserably. But what do you mean for 90 me? minutes? You give Hibs dogs abuse any opportunity you get. Aye, aye, Hibs as a whole, but like, individuals, there's no really any there. <laughs> so let me ask you something. I used to hate Ryerton and that, I used to be prick, but like, 
there's no intent like that. But no. you've just opened a can of worms here, right? So what is it about Hibs you didn't like, apart from the fact that you're rivals? That's enough. That's enough. They're rivals. But is there nothing specific? Like, like if I was to say the humble, I hate this about the Huns and that about the Huns, whatever, you know, and and Safeco, they're not rivals. But the fucking the bullshit myth that they've always been some kind of fantastic football inside that fucking (laughs) taught everybody how to play football, (laughs) which would (laughs) be. See, because like, and I'm not being biased here, but if I say to you this evening, I think the things you would say about Hertz is they're delusion grandeur, the establishment mentality they have, they're a horrible team when they're winning, and I can see the reasons. With Hibs, it amazes me how many Hertz fans say, oh, they're fucking irrelevant to us. But yet, if they lose to them, they fucking go off their nut. Of course no, of course, these rivals are irrelevant to them, really, are they? Like, you want to finish above them, you want to, can be, you want to beat them every time you play them. Like, you want them to I, lose every, every week. I mean, the one, the one I, I always think one way hurts is one way hurts as a club, as a sport, and whatever. The reason why they get hurts is because hips are quite fucking cool and hips very much on me. See, that, <laughs> that, that sort of like fucking, you're some kind of like bohemian football club. Fucking <laughs> That's Jose cool in the bar. I was thinking about that on their own actually. When, think, when Jose tells us think, about his bathroom antics, which is basically uh, Mick Jagger in the film performance, I need a bohemian atmosphere. That's Jose <laughs> in the bath. And it's funny because I, that drives me nuts as well. Where fucking Pat Nevin goes, oh, I wait used to run every company talking about Iggy Pop. Fuck off. That's of, every every club is opposite. Uh, but Rosie, yeah, I'll tell you yeah, something yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, actual actual warrior poets. Wait a minute though. <laughs> I think Irvine Welsh created an image of hip supporters. It doesn't. It's only applicable to about two hundred people, and I think the rest <laughs> of them are just normal everyday working class people who go along to football matches just like everybody else. Um, you know, of course, I, fucking every, every every support is basically pretty much representing the society. I, I, what I would say is that Hibs are merely a club in the city than Hearts are. Now it's like Hibs are very much a city club, whereas Hearts are. Hearts have got more widespread aye, support. I agree got, with that. They've got, they've got a lot of fucking white people staying outside stay Edinburgh aye. and sort of stuff like that. Whereas Hibs have got less of that. Hibs are Hibs are very much off the city. I mean, very much I mean, I think that's right, Paul. I mean, Hertz have got a lot of supporters in West Lothian and Preston Pans and all that kind of thing. And I think so. But then Hertz have got fans out that way, East Lothian and that as well. Like, a decent, decent what? amount. But I, I, probably, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree that Hertz I would. Sorry, I, I wouldn't disagree that Hertz have got supporters there. But the one, the one that you can always notice it with is if you're ever in Waverley, if you're ever in Waverley when Hertz are at home, you see all the trains coming in and stuff. There's like there's no odd fucking lights with person that's fucking getting off the train at night. You just go to Hipskirt or whatever. It's like if you're at Haymarket when Hertz are at home, you turn around and it's like stacks of fucking people getting off like there. There's way more Hertz supporters coming in on trains and stuff like that. Mm. Because I think Hertz, I think, have just got made a support for you inside the city than Hibs have. I think as well, it's see, like, see if you my experience, like if you get in a conversation with Hibs fans, you know, just normal sort of Hibs fans, there's Two minutes that we talking about Ouija's in some shape or form. I didn't get that for Hertz fans at all. I really did. Just, that thing doesn't really um, apply. I mean, and I kind of—it's actually the one thing that drives me fucking insane at football that really, really actually hurts me is when fans go around and sing things like "In Your Glasgow Slums" or whatever it might be, because that's 
you know, that so you say we're we're better than you as people and all that kind of shit, which is utter bollocks. You know what I mean? Um, I've no problem with kind of rivalry, but I mean the hips hurts rivalry does fascinate me because it kind of it sort of ebbs and flows in a basis where it never used to like it used to be kind of was a lot of time when fucking hurts were no getting beaten or that kind of thing, and I think that's kind of gone from the derby now, and it's kind of hurts who are. Despite Hibs having a good shot, Hibs Hibs are going through maybe the turmoil, maybe in the last ten years. Perhaps it's karma for cheating their way to two cups. I don't know, but um, that's something that I mean. I'd I'd like to get your the final. We'll wrap this up, but it's it's anyway. See when Hibs talk about the five one thing and all that, I just think. Don't you get what everybody else sees in that, which was basically Hibs having a bunch of players that were never going to be paid for. Or by the Lithuanian taxpayer, you know. And I know it's Hibs and all the rest of it, but you know, is that still something that you didn't take? In, you just take immense gratitude in Paul. Beating their British rivals in their cup final. Yeah, but, like, but since what's come later and the fact that you know they pairs, no. I mean, you fucking bought Craig Beatty at a time when you weren't paying the tax man. I'm not we could get into this I think it's something for the last five minutes of our podcast but which means you've got to talk a lot of fish but go on no no it means in terms of actual enjoying the game fucking right I did I still I always remember that of course the game but it wasn't we weren't aware as much at the time I mean apart from the referee I mean the referee you know the referee basically done hibs that day having any having any chance of competing with the, with the fucking penalty he gave but I just think no, it's still it's, a big gun. Aye, but your penalties outside the box. Aye, but it's still a red card in a game that we were completely on top of. It, and we were winning the game at that point. I still think we'd have won it, the game. It was 2-1. Aye, but we'd been the better team by an absolute mill. And if we had an extra man for 40 minutes, it, I think we'd won the game. And it was still, but it was still only 2-1. Aye, but you'd have won the game and we were winning the game. I mean, it is. It's like, I, I, I think it's probably we'll won the game, but we didn't get that. So the games look fucking like... There's that absolutely ridiculous thing. Oh, yeah, another, yeah, another cup final where it helps get a penalty inside the box. It's like you've won three trophies, and two of them, and two of them are largely doing the fucking penalties that were given. They were outside the box. This is helped. Differently, and uh, I mean, I, I think, all right. I, I, mean, I remember being really. Dis- I mean, I, I, I'm not going to fucking lie. I wanted Hibs to win the game, but I was disappointed because I would rather, you know, I think you'd rather win a game three two in the last minute in a game like that than you would five one. I've seen us scalp the Huns on numerous occasions, and it becomes a farce. You know, we you're just got well, they're so inept that you know you can't really take as much joy. But if you're two good teams fighting like fuck, and you manage to nick it, I think there's anything fucking better, like you know, but. I do like the levels that they give in, and I do think Hertz fans are a wee bit more bitter, I have to say, Paul. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll wrap up. In the week that St Johnston bored us to tears, Alfredo Morelos had a few beers, and Andrew Dallas pleased his peers. We shall say au revoir, and we shall be back next Sunday. Is that okay for everyone? Yep. Let the, the punters know. Yeah, we uh, uh, well, don't, don't, don't want to be in 
remember Hibs are Hibs are playing Aberdeen half four on Sunday. Mm-hmm. What, did, what are you saying like that? I mean, you mean you will be paralytic and abusing people, or? <laughs> well, I think possibility, aye. Uh, but not what I was going to say was we could be a live one. We'll, we actually see each other for the first time this year. Can I do that? Celtic are playing the same thing. What time? Motherwell, three o'clock. All right, okay. Which is not because Motherwell was in Europe on Thursday. That's obviously aye. Of course, it will be. But no, we we're looking, we're looking today at live one really soon, obviously, you know, if we can get past the and obviously, And we're also talking about having guests and know the kind of people that tread the boards every fucking where. People that might actually be interesting because let's face it, Paul, isn't he? So, on that bombshell, we shall leave you and uh, we shall see you very soon. Goodbye.